side, but uh, we've kind of come to a point in a time where uh, a lot of saints, Christians, they, they just don't have as much interest in the Word of God. And uh, maybe a little famine for the Word of God. But uh, I do appreciate the hunger that's here and you staying connected. And I've preached enough to know when people are disconnected and when people are really listening and absorbing. And I feel like that's kind of what's been going on around here. And so I've tried to load you up a little bit. Amen. And so I lied to you this morning. I said I wasn't going to be as long. I probably was. So tonight I'm going to preach longer than I ever have. That's reverse psychology. If I say that, it won't be as long. Amen. But God bless you wonderful people. And, uh, you know, the church, the people of God, they are the apple of God's eye. I tell people when you go to messing with the church... It's kind of like poking God in the eye. And that's not a winning situation. Amen. But uh, God bless you and the blessing of God that rests upon this congregation. It's very evident. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. And it's good to have an apostolic church. You know, you're saying we're trying. I think you're doing a pretty good job if you ask me. Amen. And uh, we want to be a Book of Acts church. We want to be a book of Acts church. And so, thank the Lord for that. And again, I give honor to the wonderful leadership of this church. And I've enjoyed being around the, the Harpos and their family and kind of uh, watching their interaction there. And as a family, and it's a wonderful thing. And God has blessed you with great leadership in the entire family. And you all thank the Lord for that. Amen. And then God added to the team here, Brother and Sister Shock. And so, man, this church is, it's a, it's a stacked deck. You, you got all the heavy hitters, I'm telling you, man. You got, uh, you, you know, you guys are like some ball teams I know. You just get the best you can, hope you win the championship. Amen. And so God bless each and every one of you. Amen. All right, let's uh, <clears throat> let's uh, let's go to the Word of the Lord. Amen. Are you really thankful for the Word of God? Amen. Amen. He that heareth these sayings of mine doeth them as like a wise man that builds his house on a rock. If you're going to build anything that's going to last, you have to build it according to the Word. And uh, we see a lot of things collapsing because it wasn't built on the Word. The Word never fails. I've said this through the years and I want to repeat it. God does not have the last word. He is the last word. Amen. And uh, so anyway. All right. Man, Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1. Amen. And to the technicians and the sound people, you're doing a great job. Man, that, you guys got a great choir. I mean, Lord, you guys got more talent running around here. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. I'm envious and mad at you at the same time and, and all, but I know you've worked hard to do that. So, Revelation chapter 4. <clears throat> And uh, let's, uh, let's just start with verse 1, read down through here a little bit. After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, <clears throat> of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will shew thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. Because I mean, if you're going to see things that are hereafter, you're going to have to be in the Spirit. So how come some people never see anything past right now? I'll let you figure that one out. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and how many? 
one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, and sight like unto an emerald, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal in the midst of the throne. Around about the throne was four beasts. Everybody say four beasts. Full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion. The second like a calf. The third the face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within and they rest not rest not day and night saying holy 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 lord god almighty which was and is and is to come amen i want to i want to talk to you tonight now i'm standing right in the same subject i want to talk to you tonight about the view or in view of the of the throne in view of the throne amen god bless you you may be seated in jesus name amen <clears throat> now i'm going to kind of weird out on you tonight a little bit maybe more weird i don't know how you look at it amen and uh, I'm going to get over into some stuff. The, uh, one of the first things that the Bible talks about that God made was the heaven and the earth. And I think that God's intent was always to have them working in tandem. And in alignment and in sync. I've had a lot of people ask me what I thought was the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And the best way that I, I see it and I understand it is that the kingdom of heaven is exactly that. It's dealing with heaven. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And so <clears throat> I think that the kingdom of heaven some say it's synonymous the same thing but I think the kingdom of God encompasses a little more than just heaven I feel like that wherever there is something in alignment with God's throne in the heavens here in the earth wherever that is that represents the kingdom of God does that make sense to everybody when earth is in alignment with heaven, I, I haven't bumped this verse, and it's one of the key verses. If you don't think what I'm talking about is important, then just go back and remember the Lord's Prayer. Teach us to pray. All right, here's how we'll learn to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is it? I mean, right up front. He says, I want you to pray for God's kingdom to come. How does God's kingdom come? I think the next statement tells you how God's kingdom comes. Let your will be done in earth, even as it is in heaven. In other words, when I find something that aligns itself with my throne, when it aligns itself with heaven, that is where my kingdom manifests itself. That's why the will of God is more important than anything I could stress to you tonight. That's why I preached as strong as I did last night about being protectors of the will of God. Because we want God's kingdom to come. Amen? We want God's kingdom to come. Now, when you see all this, uh, this spiritual alignment that has to take place. Uh, I, I talked today about the throne, the throne of righteousness, the throne of iniquity. 
when God sees something that aligns itself in obedience to his word, that is where you will see the kingdom made manifest. And when you see the kingdom made manifest, there are specific characteristics about the kingdom. Now, before you say that I am a, what do they call it, a preterist, that I believe the kingdom is now. Uh, I, I do, to a degree, believe it, but this is the way that I would say it. Uh, now, but not yet. Because when we start talking about future kingdom, we're talking about the millennial reign. But when we talk about God's kingdom operating in the earth today, it's, it's here. It's kind of like being an embassy. Uh, you know, I was driving a few years ago. Uh, there's a place there in San Francisco. It's called St. Francis Woods, and it's a really expensive place to live. And homes there cost millions and millions of dollars. And so Sister Morgan and I would drive through there, and we'd drive, <laughs> and we'd say, I confess one of these houses in the name of Jesus. I'm still waiting on it, amen. <laughs> and so we got back there somewhere, and all of a sudden I seen this uh, <laughs> I seen this house, this really nice house, and then it had this uh, fence around it, and there were some men walking around. And uh, I, I'm not in California, so I can talk about this, but they were packing. I mean, you knew they were second Amendment believing. I'm in Indiana. It's okay to talk about this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about here tonight. And uh, so I got curious about it. And so I pulled up real close. And uh, I, I seen this, this plaque-like thing on the fence. And so... I looked over at it. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to get out and go see what it is. She said, I don't think you ought to go toward that fence. <laughs> and so from a distance, I read it, and it said, this is the people's, this property belongs to the People's Republic of China. And I knew I have found the ambassador's house. And I had. So that intrigued me. How in the world... We're in San Francisco, California. How can this property belong to China? Trust me, they own a whole lot more than that here in the United States. And so I started investigating embassies and and, uh, ambassadors, and I found out that wherever an embassy or an ambassador's house would set or an embassy, that plot of ground right there belonged to the nation which it represented. Man, I got a little revelation with that one. I said, man, that means the church is kind of like an embassy. That's, that's how come it's an open declaration of war for you to attack an embassy. Because it's like you're invading foreign soil. And so that's kind of the way that I see the church or the kingdom of God operating in the earth today. Uh, it's not the full kingdom, but we're here representing kind of like a holy nation. We're here representing. And you know what I tell you? I, I'm already sidetracked. I mean, it's, it's, I'm already off the rails. Amen. Uh, another thing I found out is, is that, uh, especially with ambassadors, uh, you know, uh, first of all, they can't represent their own personal views. They can only represent the views of their country. They don't develop their own policy. They just talk about the policy of the country they represent. You're supposed to be an ambassador in case you didn't know it. But you don't have the right to represent your own views. You can only represent the view of the king. And that's, that's not you, Burger King. Then the second thing that's amazing to me is the ambassador never has to worry about What's going to back him? He knows that he has, well, it's supposed to be this way. <laughs> Some of you, if you're, if you're really listening, you're going to catch something in here. You're supposed to protect and send the military in when your embassy is under attack. 
and the and the ambassador knows he doesn't have to worry because he has the full force of the nation that he represents behind him. So the church has got to wake up and recognize we're kind of like ambassadors. This is kind of like an embassy. And I don't represent my own views. I just tell them what my king said. And I don't have to worry about what's backing me. Because I know I serve my king as Lord of hosts. And he's got a pretty good army if you ask me. And all heaven and earth stands behind me and you as a child of God. That ought to put some of you on shouting ground. We're talking about the devil and how bad and how ugly he is and all the power he has and all the, uh, I, I'm gonna just get over where I shouldn't. I get tickled with people. You know, I'm gonna talk a little bit about angels tonight. I don't, I don't wanna get mystical with you. I don't think that's what God intends for us when it comes to angels and stuff, getting mystical about it. But, you know, well, here's what tickles me about Pentecostal people. I start talking about angels, which is a part of his army. I can prove to you in the scripture that when God created the earth, he strategically placed angels over certain geographical areas. And when it's time, worship and praise activates them. So before there was ever a Terre Haute, Terre Haute, Before there was ever a Terre Haute, Indiana, God placed over this geographical area an angelic host. And he said at the right time, when it's necessary, he said, I'm going to have some people here. And they're going to be able to, it's in there. They're going to be able to activate that army. Oh, I know some of you are like, "Mm, I don't know about all this angel stuff. Okay, let's, let's. Let me take a poll here tonight. How many of you in this building have ever been in a situation where an unclean spirit or a demon come into your room, got in your car, showed up, sit next to you at church? (laughs) How many of you said, I have witnessed demonic activity in my life. Can I see your hands? What's wrong with the rest of you? You backslid? <laughs> so you don't have a problem with that one. It's kind of like who was it? Hezekiah the prophet walked in and he said, you better set your house in order. You're going to die. I'm talking about Hezekiah, not you. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Amen. And uh, Hezekiah, okay. Turns his face toward the wall and he's praying, please God, spare my life, give me a... God said, okay, prophet's out in the courtyard. He said, go back in there and tell him that I said I'm going to give him 15 more years. So the prophet goes in and says, God says he's going to give you 15 more years. And you know what Hezekiah said? I need a sign. You, you, you need a sign? Yeah. When I told you you were going to die, you didn't need a sign. I just told you you're going to live. And now you need a sign. We have a tendency to believe a lot more in the negative. See, I'm talking about demons, and I'm going to say three quarters of this church said, oh, yeah. I, I, I just have to look at it in simple math. If a third of the angels fail, which we would say would become demons or whatever, that's the most what people view, <laughs> then that means there's two good angels left for every bad one. So that means you've got twice as much of a chance to see the good side than you do the bad side. Now, you believe you've witnessed the bad side, Oh, yeah, man, I had a demon come in my room one night. That joker jumped on me. I mean, he was suffocating me, and I mean, I was choking like I had a swallow on a pillow. It's probably because you got sleep apnea. That's probably what's going on. 
And I mean, brother, I was having trouble and I finally whispered the name of Jesus and that thing finally lifted. It was hovering above my bed. I don't know how many stories I've heard about that. When we start talking about angels, people are like, uh, yeah, oh, you know. Well, either you're apostolic or you're not apostolic. How in the world do you cut out of your Bible angels and ministering spirits that God has sent? I mean, it's all through your Bible. So if you're an ambassador, tell the devil, I don't think you won't pick on me. There's two good ones for every bad one. And God's not even in the equation. (laughs) Anyhow, I'll move along here. You know, and then the ambassador knows I don't have to worry about financing. Because all the wealth of the nation that I represent is behind me. So it doesn't matter what the economy does. Yeah, I know. My God shall supply all of your need according to what? His riches where? In glory. He didn't say Dow Jones stock market. He said it's my riches in glory. That means when you're representing him and he sends you into the world as a messenger, you just understand one thing. I got the full weight of the king behind me. I've been sent by his name and sent by him. And I've got an angelic host that wars for me. I'm trying to help some of you right now. Quit quit backing up from the enemy and just look at him and say, hey, there's another thing I need to tell you. Greater is he that's within me than he that is in the world. I had a new convert, had a new convert in Springfield, Missouri. He prayed through and, and they had him testify, which is dangerous. And he just stood up. He said, hey, folks, you can't lose with the stuff I use. And then he stood up, testified a little later. And he said, I figured this out. If you fast, you last. If you stop, you drop. If you pray, you stay. And if you don't pray, you sway. He said, I got to figure it out. Well, there's a lot of truth to what he was saying. One of these days, the church is going to wake up and get a, well, I don't know, a full revelation. But we're going to start getting a revelation of what really is behind us. And we're going to need it in this hour. Somebody said amen. Okay, 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 okay. Let me go back up here. And, Okay. What was I talking about? Angels and alignment, spiritual alignment. Mm, Okay. I'm really not reading them. I'm just making you think that I'm reading them. Amen. (laughs) Okay, here's the deal. You got Revelation chapter 4. You got all this description. You get this view of the throne. You get the view of one on the throne and all the description that's given to it. But at that throne, you notice that there are some certain things that are present. Number one, uh, you've got, now this morning I preached about what proceeds from the throne. Tonight we're going to talk about what we view at the throne. And so you've got these... Uh, You've got these four and twenty elders, and they got, and they're sitting in seats. They're seated with him. And, uh, they got golden crowns. They're there, and then you've got these, this is where it's gonna get kinda weird. You've got these, uh, beings, and, uh, they're, they, they got wings, and they're flying, and it's just, it's just weird stuff. And, uh, they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is, is to come. I don't think that you can pro- proclaim God past, present, and future. I think what they're talking about is God's revelations. Past, present, and future. God doesn't have a past. God doesn't have a future. 
I'm going to say that again. God doesn't have a past. God doesn't have a future. God lives in an ever-present now. Now, when he reveals himself to humanity, he shows us, and personally, I believe what he was was the law. I believe what he is is the lamb. I believe what he is to come is Lord. But you're not living in the day of the law, and you're not living in the day of the Lord. You're living in the day of the slain lamb. That's why the church preaches Calvary as strong as it preaches it, because that's the day we live in. I had a guy ask me several years ago, he said, how can you preach miracles so strong and, and Holy Ghost so strong? I said, that's easy. I know what day I'm living in. Have you ever met people that they still live under the law? And I'm not doing away with the law. It's been fulfilled. What was written on tables of stones written in your heart. But I know some people, they are all the way back under the law. I've also noticed most people like that are not happy. <laughs> and they always kind of, you know, look down their nose at you. And I call them Pharisees. <laughs> Boy, it's really quiet right now. And, you know, it's all about the law. I keep the law better than you do. You have to straighten this one out when I'm done. Amen. You know, quit boasting in that stuff. Quit, quit boasting in that stuff and just work out your own salvation, the fear and trembling. Leave everybody else alone. That went over like a flock of dogs right there. Amen. Just, you just work on you. I want to say that again. You just work on you, hot shot, and let the leadership and the pastor and fivefold ministry work on the saints. You just work on you. Now I know you don't have any of these people here in Ter- Terre Haute, but we—I've had a few. They become the official policemen of the church. They're going to—I got stopped. I got stuff. I got to get out of that. So you got people that they get under the law, they camp over there, and you got people that get over into the lordship of Jesus, and everything is kind of like twilight zone with them. I mean, they're already over here. All they want to talk about is eschatology, and they want to talk about what do you think the seven seals represent? Don't know. What do you think the seven horsemen represents? Don't know. Don't you think you ought to know? No, not really. I'm messing with some of you right now. I mean, you start talking about that stuff, and boy, you get certain people that show up, and I mean, they're interested in it, and they are so heavenly minded, they're absolutely no earthly good. Because everything's about the future. Everything's about way over here. Have we entered the tribulation? I, I, I'm so tired of people asking that kind of stuff. Have, have we entered the tribulation? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I just have some problems with just looking at things practical. Okay? So we got all this stuff and all. Well, we're going to go through the tribulation. Okay. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, and as it was in the days of Lot, it's going to be the day of the coming. Okay? <laughs> he said they're going to be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. It's going to be quite a party. I don't see that scenario at the end of the tribulation. God has always taken out righteous factor before he rains judgment down. Always. I've lost a bunch of you. I can tell you right now, we got some tribulation folks in the building. <laughs> and you have a right to your views and you have a right to be wrong. I'll, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but, you know, people just get over there and they just, listen, understand the day you're living in. It is the day of the slain lamb. I get out of it. Now, you see all this stuff. You see these elders are cast at crowns. You see these four beings. And they're, uh, 
they got six wings and with twain they cover the feet and the face and twain they do fly and they're saying holy 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 lord god almighty which and then you watch these elders as they cast their crowns at his feet and man it's quite a worship session that's going on at the throne and so you read that and then you have to take that and go back over to the book of ezekiel and you have to start over there somewhere around chapter 10 but if you study the book of ezekiel you're going to find out it's a lot about god's glory and his departing from israel one preacher i heard said it's god's gradual goodbye so god moves from the mercy seat to the door of the temple to the city to the gate and then he ends up at the mount of olives did i say that last night he ends up at the Mount of Olives, okay? That is God's gradual goodbye. Then you watch him as he ascends, this ark ascends. But have you ever studied that the glory doesn't just move them random and by itself? But God has this portable transit system. And I'm telling you, it's a, it's a deal. Would you like to know what it is? Ezekiel said, man, I seen these four beings. And these four beings, which were cherubims, they, they were four-faced. Now, I've met some two-faced folks. <laughs> but watch it. The same description that Ezekiel gives to the face of this John uses, okay, ox and a calf, which you've studied the words there, it's the same. So you see what we see in the book of Revelation, that's not the first time you see it. You see it over in the book of Ezekiel. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. When I started studying Ezekiel, I thought, man, Ezekiel has got to be smoking something. There went the Pharisees. <laughs> Ezekiel, it's just weird stuff. And he sees these four-faced creatures and they got wings. And then you see this, he calls it a wheel in the middle of the wheel. Now what's interesting about that is, let me kind of give you a little description. What's interesting is you've got four of those and then you've got these four beasts. Same thing. What happens is, is Ezekiel is seeing, how could I say it? A, a throne that's moving. And he sees this thing happen. So you've got these four beings, corners, and then you've got this wheel in the middle of the wheel. Remember singing those songs about the wheel in the middle of the wheel? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have any idea what we were singing about when we sang it. Amen. <laughs> And, and, and basically, because what it says is, is these four beings never turned. So you have one wheel that's facing this way, and you got another wheel that's facing this way. All right? Which means, and, well, I hope this makes sense. So you got these four wheels in the middle of the wheel, and next to it, some believe the cherubims were on above it, but you've got this, and so the face of a man all four faces of a man face the same direction. All four faces of the ox face the same way. So whichever way that God intended to manifest himself, whether it's the ox, whether it's the eagle, uh, the lion, the man, they all face the same way. That means that, you know, if you're going to drive your car, you've only got two wheels up in the front. And if you're going to go... From this direction to that direction, you got to put your left turn signal on and then turn the wheel. That cart that I'm talking about never had to be turned. It could go any direction that it wanted to go. And Ezekiel said, wherever God set his face to go, that's the direction that it went in. So Ezekiel sees this, and then he sees this portable transit deal. He sees it go to the temple, 
And then he watches the glory of God come off of the mercy seat, which the scripture tells you that was God's throne. So it moves from that throne to this throne. Mm. And then it goes, and Ezekiel's watching all this. (laughs) I'm telling you, there had to be something with the brook cherub. That's all I can tell you. Amen. And he watches all this take place. And he sees it go, and now it goes to the door, and it pauses there, which I believe the pause was, is waiting on Israel to repent. If you'll repent, I won't pull my glory. But they never repented. And so it goes here, and then it goes to the east gate, and then it goes to the city, and then it goes out the mount, and then Ezekiel, this, this thing, because the glory of God had moved. Is this boring? The glory of God had moved off of the mercy seat, lights on this thing, and then he watches as that thing takes the glory of God into the heavens. And if you knew where I was going, you'd be shouting right now. I mean, you'd be going crazy. Now, now that's going to come back. It's going to come back through Christ. And I, I don't want to get too far into this Bible study here. He comes back. When he comes back, Ezekiel sees another tabernacle. It's got all these windows and stuff, and it's got a lot of rooms. That's probably what Jesus meant when he said, and I'm really going to mess up your theology. I go away to prepare a place for you for in my Father's house. Or what? Mansions. You know what the Greek word for mansions means? Little room, little dwelling place. All of us Pentecostals waiting on our mansion when we get to heaven. I just took it away from you. I think what Jesus was trying to say is you're not going to get a mansion. You, sir, are my mansion. You are my dwelling place. And so when the tabernacle descends back, Ezekiel's tabernacle has got all these rooms. I think that's us returning with him to the millennial reign. Now, you got a right to disagree in your own interpretation. This is what I'm finding in my study. So you got all this going. Everybody awake? Do we need to stand up and do heads and shoulders, knees and knees? (laughs) Trust me, I give up on touching my toes. I can tell you that right now. Now, <clears throat> I'm having fun. I, they may be enduring it, but I'm having fun. Now, you go over to Jacob, and he's running in fear of his life, and he comes over here to what was Luz, and then become Bethel. When he gets there, the Bible says he lighted upon a certain place. <clears throat> now, he takes a stone from that place. I did a study one time on... Places that were experiencing revival. What's so significant about these places? Is it a geographical deal? What's the deal? So I put in the word place, and when I got to Genesis, what is it, 28, it's placed several times, five, six times through there, it talks about place. So it caught my attention. He lighted up on a certain place. He took stones of that place, made a pill. And so I, I, what's so significant about this place? Then I found out that that place that he come to was Abraham's original altar when he come into the land of Canaan. The first altar that he built, he built four altars as far as I can find. This was the first one. This is where God begins to establish his covenant with Abraham. Mm. This is where his grandson. See, Abraham was coming from the Ur of Chaldees and, <laughs> and Jacob was running that way. And so he comes to this place. He takes a stone. Historians say the stone that he took for a pillow was the stone off of his grandpa's altar. Better be careful taking stones off of somebody else's altar for a place of ease for you. And so he goes to sleep. He has this dream. And in this dream, he sees this ladder, right? And he sees angels. Then what? They're doing what? Ascending and They're ascending and descending. And Jacob wakes up and he says, whoa, 
Surely the presence of the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. He's not saying I'm ignorant to the visitation. What he's saying is, is God actually dwells in this place. And I didn't know that. This is none other but the, you know the rest of it? House of God and gate of heaven. House of God and gate of heaven. You got it. There it is. Surely the Lord's in this place. This is none other but the house of God and the gate of heaven. Wherever there is an altar, like I told you last night, that is an alignment, it connects the altar to the throne. And when you get the altar and the throne together, you're going to have angelic activity as it begins to move from the heavens. So when the church builds the altar, it aligns itself, getting rid of its will, to find the will of God. And when it finds that, God says, good. Now just look over there and get a good view of the throne. Because whatever's at the throne. I will say that again. There's things that ascend and descend. Wherever there is a people that will build an altar, die out to themselves, get rid of their will, and get in alignment with the will of God, trust me. God says, it's right there, right there, right there. That's going to be my house, and that's going to be my gate. Anything that I take from the heavens into the earth is going to go through that place right there. I've got a question for this church. Would you kind of like to be a gateway church? Would you like to be the place that builds that altar and you get rid of your will and you get in alignment with him and you begin to understand whatever is at that throne? But that's Old Testament. Yeah, you're right, it is. Now I'm going to give you New Testament. What's that? Believe it. That's why I'm preaching. Jesus sees Nathaniel. And he said, hey, I seen you when you was under the fig tree. And Nathaniel said, wow. That's pretty profound. And Jesus said, oh, you ain't seen anything yet. He said, but you're going to see the heavens open. You're going to see this alignment. And you're going to see this heaven open. And you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus right there declared to Nathaniel and to us, you are presently looking at the house of God and the gate of heaven. Right here. And that's why angels ministered to him. That's why angels were constantly ascending in his life and descending. That's why when he's in the final moments of his life, the Bible says not men, but angels came and ministered to him. Because wherever you find a house of God and a gateway, you're going to find strong an altar and you're going to find the throne. And then you're going to find a strong visitation of angels that come and go. I'm not trying to make it mystical, just trying to be real with you. Now, I preached last night about the will of God. You getting rid of your will, getting to the altar. The altar's where you die. It all fits together. But you need to get a good view of what's at the throne. Because whatever is at the throne... And you can't get the throne of God without finding cherubims and angels and elders. And you got another one in there. You ready for it? Worship. Show me a gateway church. I'll show you a worshiping church. Because, brother, they've come by the altar, and they're at his throne, and they're taking the crowns off of their head, and they're casting at his feet, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Woo. 
now, now, just, just, uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to start. I, I, I see the runway, kind of. Hope you don't make me circle a few times. Amen. Here's the deal. I started last night about Lucifer. Everybody say Lucifer. The anointed cherub that covered. Remember that whole thing? The stones that were part of Lucifer. I love this right here. I'm going to mess with some of you that uh, I just don't think dancing and all that stuff is necessary. Mm. Well, again, it's not a public opinion poll. Just, just listen. Lucifer, the Bible says, was the anointed chair to cover. It's his, it's his responsibility to protect the throne of the will of God. There it is. But he has these stones. And it's the same stones that you read about over in the book of Revelation. That's on you. Yeah. It's kings and priests. It's on you. Lucifer, the Bible says, a part of his workmanship was the tapestry and the pipe. Lucifer didn't play music. Lucifer was music. When he moved, you could hear timbrel. You guys got rid of all your tambourines around here? Oh, thank God. (laughs) I grew up where everybody brought a tambourine to church. Couldn't keep a beat, couldn't play the thing. I'm not going there. <clears throat> but timbrel actually means tambourine. Pipe was the instrument that they used to play for dancing and rejoicing. Even Jesus tells you that. This generation is like those that said, we pipe for you and you didn't dance or whatever it is. So there it is. So Lucifer's responsibility when he went before the throne of God was to lead with his music The stars of God, the sons of God, the angels of God, before the throne of God in worship. (laughs) And the light of God on that throne, Revelation, all of it tells you that, would hit those stones on Lucifer. And it would filter through heaven like a, really a good light show. I get tickled some of these churches. They try to put on these little light shows and I'm thinking, you should have seen the original light show. (laughs) And I mean, it. Felt, that's why the scripture says, because of thy brilliance. That's what he's talking about. Iniquity was found in thee. I'm setting you up. You just don't know it. Yeah. Timbrel and dance. Timbrel and dance. The psalmist said, let them praise his name with the timbrel. And the dance. Oh, I got a lot of you locking up right now. I hope he don't ask me to dance tonight. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. Now, God might ask you. Where is the first place you find a tambourine and dancing in the scripture? Anybody know? Where's the first time you see them playing a tambourine and dancing and rejoicing? You said it right there. Miriam. Miriam. They come to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's right behind them. I told you this morning, the Red Sea is a type of water baptism. What name do we do water baptism in? There's his name. So they come through the waters of baptism. The name's been applied. They get on the other side of baptism. And guess what? They grab a tambourine. Because Jesus stopped one day and said about this guy, he said, hey, listen, y'all don't understand it. But the Son of Man's come to seek and to save that. Why didn't he say them or those? Because when God viewed what was lost, he viewed it all the way back to the throne. I lost the timbrel and I lost the dance. But I'm going to create something a little lower than that is. And I'm going to use that which is lower. And the devil said, I know enough about you. As long as there's sin, they can't even get to your throne. He said, that's where you made your mistake. I'm going to atone their sins. I'm going to take them through the waters of baptism. I will deal with the sin problem. I will be the propitiation. I will atone them. And when they come out on the other side of the Red Sea, 
They don't have to wait for the Spirit to move on them to get out in the aisle and to rejoice and dance. All they need to remember is, I've already been to the water. And I've already been baptized. I think every time, now this is just me. Come on, Cajun, raging Cajun, come up here. I think God gets great delight, Pastor, out of grabbing the devil. And the devil says, where are we going? Tonight, Sunday night, Terre Haute's going to have revival. And the choir's going to sing. And they're going to be rejoicing and dancing. I just want you to remember. And I want to tell you that what you took out of my world, I'm taking out of yours right now. And this is what you used to do at the throne. But now I've got some folks that are getting a good view of the throne. And they see what's supposed to happen at the throne. You've got angels. You've got elders. And you've got the morning stars rejoicing before God. That is a gateway church. Woo! Hallelujah! I, I, I think we're kind of getting in alignment right now. And somebody said, hey, if that's what he did at the throne and he lost it, that's what I'm going to replace in God's throne. I'm going to go before the throne and join the elders and rejoicing and praising and magnifying God. Come on, take your crown tonight. Get it off of your head. Throw it at his feet and say, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to rejoice. I think God's in view of this service tonight. And he said, hey, hey, just remain standing. I'm done. Hey, those people are in alignment. That's my house. They're seeing my throne. See, this is what apostolics fail to see. When we get to worshiping tonight, we are not by ourselves. Angels coming to the building. We're all going to the throne. Listen, elders. Now this is me. This is me. But I think when the church really enters that place of worship, it's not just angels. But you've come to the place where the spirits of just men are made perfect. I think when we get to worshiping God, it's not just angels, but patriarchs and matriarchs of old. Those that died in faith. They, their spirit comes into the building. And they say, hey, we're at the throne rejoicing. You want to come join with us? And the people of God begin to rejoice. And angels begin to rejoice. And elders start casting their crowns at his feet. You tell me if that's not a great thing that's happening. It's more than just us trying to move you with a little music. It's more than us just trying to get you to do a little Pentecostal dance. If you ever start seeing and you get the view of the throne, you'll recognize anytime you're close to it, you've got to worship, you've got to ma- go by the altar, get rid of the flesh. But you've got to begin to magnify Him and begin to praise Him. Hallelujah! I think God's getting ready to do some miracles in this house. Yeah. For without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God, 
You know what the word cometh there means? One of its definitions is worship. Worship. For he that worships God must believe that he is. Hmm. That faith is supposed to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek. You know what that means? Worship. Worship. So you could quote that verse like this and not twist it. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that worships God must believe that he is God. And as God... He rewards or he reveals himself to those that worship him. I won't take the time, but I'd show you Hebrews 11 and 6, where it is inserted in a chronological order. No Bible, no priests. They're severed from God. How do you get to God? That scripture tells us how we get to him. John 4 Tells what he's looking for. Hey woman, the hour cometh and now is. The true worshipers are going to worship in spirit and in truth. Watch it. For the Father seeketh. See Hebrews 11 and 6, it's man seeking God. John 4, it's God seeking man. And the key component, worship. Worship, 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 worship. For the Father seeketh such to watch him. I get tickled Pentecostals come to church just watching. And then they leave saying, what was all that about? Why they get all crazy? Watchers and worshipers see things totally Different. Watch this one. Ten lepers. Go show thyself to the priest that are cleansed. One returns. The Bible says he fell at the feet of Jesus and he. And Jesus says, Go thy way. Thy. So when Jesus viewed his worship, he called it faith. Because you can't worship something you don't believe in. And the very, I watch people come to the altars, they come up, crusade services, healing services, and they come up and I watch them, man, it's almost like they're in pain trying to get this faith stuff, you know, and it's, it's very evasive and just about time you get it right in your head, it just, Flees and it's gone and we complicate it trying to, well, I gotta confess and I gotta do all the stuff they tell me to do. And I'm trying to have faith. Let me help you. Quit trying to figure it all out. As you worship him, he looks at you and says, I'm getting ready to reveal myself to you as the healer. You're not down here begging God to heal you. You're just worshiping God. And God says, watch this. You're about to get a testimony. You're about to walk out of the building saying, hey, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once had a disease and an affliction and a sickness, but I've been healed. I've seen more miracles happen in an atmosphere of worship now, I, I want to be careful what I'm about to say. I've seen more people get a miracle in the atmosphere of worship than I ever have by some preacher trying to lead them to a miracle. I've seen them worshiping and nobody laid a hand on it. That might be why God wants to do it. So you can't walk out of the building and say, look what I did. You're just worshiping God and you're getting your eyes off of everything else. And you're just worshiping him. And while you worship him, he says... I'm fixing to reveal myself to you as the Holy Ghost baptizer. I just need you to worship me. And when I find a worshiping church, you just get ready. I'm about to manifest myself in ways you can't even imagine. 
I'm about to show that church something. And I just kind of got a little suspicion. If we just kind of turn loose here right now and just forget who's next to you and forget what's next and you just get to worshiping and dancing and magnifying, you might be shocked what happens. Oh, come on. Anybody want to go to the throne here tonight? And when you get to the throne, whoo, I'm going to praise him. Let them, let them, let them praise his name in the dance. I'm not saying you got to get out in the aisle and dance. But if you want to get out in the aisle and dance, I think now's a good time. I don't think you need to have something to try to pick your feet up and put them down. I dance in the spirit. You've never danced in the spirit. You're always in the flesh. It's a bunch of baloney. All you need to remember is you've been to the water and you've been baptized. Oh, there ought to be a whole lot more. You ought to turn to somebody next to you and say, Hey, you want to rejoice here tonight? We're going to the throne. 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 God is about to do great things.